Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Melvin, and he's still Baby Yoda to me. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian movie podcast that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, Daniel and I are joined by Derek and John from Shattercast to talk about Disney Plus's The Mandalorian Season 2. In a year without movies, film fans had television. In a year with television, everyone anticipated the release of The Mandalorian Season 2. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't one of my most anticipated projects of 2020, and I think it's safe to say it didn't disappoint. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, we have a lot to get into with this episode. Right off the bat, we get into one of Derek's famous positive and negative lists, while Daniel, John, and I jump off of that list with our own comments. We also celebrate the Mandalorian series format for the breathing room it provides the expansive Star Wars universe, as opposed to the limited runtime of a two-hour film. Then, spoilers run free as we get into the nitty-gritty of The Mandalorian, discuss Episode 2's wild Baby Yoda antics, geek out over Episode 5's star cameo, and talk at length about Episode 7's great introduction of a much-needed nuance to the Star Wars universe. And yes, of course we talk about the end of the series, and share our speculation on what Season 3 will bring. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to give Shadowcast a visit. Without further ado, here's our discussion on The Mandalorian Season 2. Welcome back, all you party people. Shattercast is back on the podcast. That's like my most Woo-hoo. podcast introduction I've ever done. Hey. Anyways, welcome back, Shattercast. <laughs> you guys were on for our Avengers episode back in sem- summer, in the middle of quarantine. Can you believe it? Now we are at the end of 2020 and Craziness. we're talking about The Mandalorian. It's ridiculous. That's uh, right. John, why don't you tell us about Shattercast before we get started? Yeah, so I'm the host of a podcast known as Shattercast. Uh, Derek is uh, with me here. He is the uh, executive director, president, and uh, CEO of Shattered Studios. Uh, <laughs> My title a, just keeps um, getting longer. <laughs> it does. It does. Looks good on LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, a ministry that uh, whose mission is to share hope and faith uh, through the arts. And Shattercast is one arm of that ministry where we talk about our love of board games, movies, TV shows and uh, bring it back to the faith 
that all of us on the podcast share. Awesome. Very cool. Good. Great intro, John. And uh, yeah, Derek here again, super excited. And just want to say I'm super excited to be back on the podcast with Melvin and with Dan for the first time. I've been learning a lot about Dan. I wow. won't share any stories right now, but <laughs> we got some blackmail material for so, you. So wow. I just, I really hope that <laughs> we can draw hear. this back to talking about The Undertaker at some point. <laughs> As all episodes end. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's right. Well, today... We're going to be talking about Mandalorian Season 2. Now, if you are listening, don't worry. Right now, we're not going to jump into spoilers. We will later, but not right away. So if uh, you're worried about spoilers, we will warn you before we jump into that. So uh, Mandalorian, if you aren't aware, was created by Jon Favreau, uh, most notably known currently for the majority of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but he's been in Hollywood writing and producing and, and even acting for, for quite a long time, right? Oh, and yeah. so he's joined uh, by Dave Filoni, who worked on the animated shows that came out uh, years and years ago uh, for Star Wars. So Clones, uh, uh, The Clone Wars, and, and Rebels. Mandalorian as a show, you know, Pedro Pascal plays uh, the Mandalorian or Din Djarin. You've also got Carl Weathers, who's a fantastic actor who plays a guy named Grief Karga. You got Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad fame, who's kind of the current antagonist in the show. And uh, Gina Carano, who's uh, a wonderful star in the show as well. And uh, Mandalorian season two, um, I want to kind of give this this non-spoiler 30,000 foot overview, right? So in season one, Mandalorian was tasked by his group to return the child uh, to the Jedi, right? And Baby so our Yoda. protagonist, Baby, Baby Yoda, Yoda. <laughs> or the child, uh, but yeah, Baby Yoda, as everyone loves to refer to our little green friend, <laughs> to, to set uh, out to return him to the Jedi, right? Uh, so he starts off season two uh, searching for other Mandalorians thinking that uh, the Mandalorians might be able to lead him to the Jedi. And John Favreau, in an interview, he said, I, I have it written down here so that I don't misquote him. He said, nice. the new season is about introducing a larger story in the world. The stories become less isolated, yet each episode has its own flavor, and hopefully we're bringing a lot more scope to the show. Now, later when we talk about spoilers, I think we're going to be able to say that uh, they achieved that exactly what they were looking for. Most definitely. I think Definitely. each episode, it does a, like a fantastic job of driving Din Djarin closer to his goal, while also kind of like constantly introducing compelling new side characters. And it even brings some of our season one characters uh, to season two. Uh, some yeah. side characters I wasn't expecting, but I won't say just yet. Mm -hmm. But all that to say, <laughs> I think season two did a, a wonderful job of remembering where it came from in season one building out the Star Wars universe that we see in Mandalorian. But at no point was there an episode that didn't advance the main plot. And that's one of the things I really appreciated. There, there really wasn't a filler episode. So that's my kind of overview of, of season two, because I can't actually tell you anything about season two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how like almost right away there's like spoilers, but I guess yeah. like that's yeah. it's normal for a TV show. We cover movies on here, so I'm not used to that, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's, 
That's so funny. Derek, what do we got for our content awareness here? <laughs> whoop, whoop. All right. So, guys, uh, The Mandalorian is rated TV 14. Now, there is no detailed content certificate. So, we got you, fam. We made one up for you. Uh, so, here you go. <laughs> nice. uh, just keep in mind, there is some uh, intense violence and peril at times, including a lot of gun action, some weapon violence. Uh, there is some censoring and implied uses of graphic violence, uh, again, including some blasters, bludgeoning to the face, stabbing, slicing, and even some self-harm. There's lying and deception throughout the series. Uh, Sometimes there are some complex moral situations that involve some gray areas. And some serious notes, there is some torture and some terror um, involving both creatures and people, uh, so be cautious of that. And there is some implied language, including sci-fi cursing, which would be curse words we probably wouldn't use here in the real world, but it stands as uh, cursing for them. So there is some stuff that people might find a little bit, bit disturbing, especially in season two, episode two, uh, involving some Baby Yoda stuff and some shenanigans <laughs> he gets into. Uh, the uh-huh. internets were in an uproar about that. So oh, I, totally for- I totally forgot about that till right now. Yeah. 100%. Which I just want to say, I was not online at that time, so I can't wait for you guys to fill me in about that. Oh, oh man. My gosh. I have the, no idea the memes, how people felt about it. Oh, it there, there's a lot going on. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> that. Suddenly so excited. Wow. Dan, see, I'm, t- I'm learning more about Dan every year. He's, or, he's excited about this. It uh, feels, stuff. yeah. I loved. I could. I could, I relish the next day on Twitter. There's all these articles of like, here's why Baby Yoda is problematic now. <laughs> yeah, it's <just> like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so only two episodes in. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you like what you've heard so far, for some reason, leave a review on iTunes, Podchaser, wherever you listen. Follow our social media, Facebook page, or Twitter and Instagram, and join our Facebook group titled Cinematic Doctrine Group. Uh, if you're requesting to join, please mention that you know us from the podcast. Check out our other shows under the same feed, Trailer Talk and Monthly Movie News, which is our movie culture content. Also, feel free to check out our website, cinematicdoctrine.com, which includes written contact and essays from our various uh, contributors. And also support us on Patreon. For as low, three, as low as $3 a month, you gain access to our exclusive voting, decide which movies we review in the future, as well as an extra podcast called The Pre-Show. And check out Shattercast. They do literally everything. Yeah. It's like ridiculous. You guys cover movies, games, board games. Big interview with a a guy, Andrew Lowen, who made a really cool game called Deliverance. Uh, uh, He plays Mighty Angels and you fight demons. Really cool. We do a Lord of the Rings role-playing game session that John leads. A lot of fun. So So much cool stuff. Yeah. Website is shatteredstudios.net, facebook.com slash shatteredthedarkness. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Shattered Studios. A bunch of uh, really exciting stuff coming up, uh, including we're about to launch our own Patreon. Nice. Very exciting. And a couple other surprises and details in there. So Yeah, that, that's been a long time coming. Yeah, that's awesome. So we were talking prior to the show how we wanted to go about talking the Mandalorian. Now, as always, our first section never covers spoilers, so you know you'll you'll be safe here. However, we don't need to talk about spoilers for Derek to give us one of his lovely love and hate lists. Yeah, he talks about the things that he loves <laughs> and he also talks about the things that he hates. And John, who apparently loves that Derek <laughs> hates things, is going to have a blast here. So what's number one on your love list? Sure, sure. 
Back by fan requests, the positive and negative <laughs> list. Here we go. The people wanted more. I'll do my best to let you get through the list before I interject and tell you what you're wrong. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. Again, I'm doing this for the fans. The fans like this, so here we go. Um, yeah, yeah, stuff. that's what I've heard too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my mom likes it. Leave me alone, guys. All right, so my first positive is just general. Uh, I am enjoying the series. For me, it's the best version of Star Wars we've gotten in this kind of current generation with the possible exception of rogue one which i really enjoyed and the force mm. awakens the first of the sequels i thought that was pretty good but for me uh again this is kind of uh, the best version of star wars for me so yeah that's just my first year on positive should i keep going or do you guys want to comment on that no i mean i i agree i think as far as the disney star wars stuff is concerned that i've watched because i haven't watched um season eight or season season seven clone wars because i haven't even gotten through season two of Clone Wars. Um, that's, it's, <laughs> it is the stuff that I've enjoyed the most in terms of what they've produced. And mm-hmm. I'm just really thankful that they keep throwing money at Dave Filoni to just keep doing yes. this. Um, and I hope right. that they keep doing more because I just think he, as an executive producer, it's funny, like we, we kind of look to him as being the guy who's saving Star Wars right now. But I mean, John Favreau is mm-hmm. on that too. They're just, yeah. they seem to have such a good sense to it, to handling this massive massive universe um without exploiting fandom culture in terms of uh things we know things we know while also kind of peppering in things like that that get people excited but yeah it's it's amazing how like the mandalorian just seems to be like just not just a good star wars show but like a good show on its own. I feel like mm. you could show it to just as somebody who's never seen Star Wars and they would be totally capable of enjoying every little thing about it. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that one, Derek. Yeah, I'd agree as well. I think um, for me, when I think of, of why I enjoy Mandalorian so much, I think a big part of that is Star Wars as a universe is so massive that it lends itself to like a slow burn of a TV show. Like a series. Versus, yeah, yeah. yeah. Versus having a, a movie where you have to tell this complete story in only two hours. I mean, they had, they had what, almost eight hours worth of, of watching in season two that we could do. So I think, I think having that kind of episodic nature uh, makes it easier to tell a story. One of my favorite things about Mandalorian is they take their time. Like there are shots that are slow, where like in season one, there was one where he he walks into a doorway and it feels like an old Western as he just looks over the crowd of people in the tavern and slowly makes his way to the bar. And that's like right. 25 seconds. Mm. You don't do that in movies. Yeah. Not, in Star, not in modern Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, not in Star Wars movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I think brings me to my second positive. I think overall it handles the sci-fi and Western genre well. Like there's there's very few shows that combine those well. I, I think of Firefly, yep, that, right. that kind of has that sci-fi western going on, and I think The Mandalorian uh, does. And as both Melvin and John, you guys were saying, I think the slow burn of the series for some might be a little off-putting. For me, it was great because uh, the thing, one of the things about Star Wars is it is such an expansive universe, and I love the fact that we're spending so much time on just one character and just seeing his story yeah. uh, come out. So for me, that's been another huge positive. One of the great things that I really enjoy about that too, is that when we're jumping to different planets, sometimes it's like a planet he's never Mando's never been to. And so they get to do what every great uh, writing class tells you to do, which is if you want to teach 
an audience about your world, put in a character who doesn't know anything about what's going on. So then when Mando's just asking questions or trying to learn things about where he's going or what he's doing, we're learning with him. And since we're just seeing so much happen, it's just a great way for them to easily do that. Because like, yeah, if you're covering like, if you're going over the top with a lot of the fandom Easter eggs and stuff like that. That's no good to people who don't keep up with all of the extra lore that goes on. Because, like, why are they going to be excited about, like, some sort of obscure character if if they're just there for a second and that was supposed to be your one exciting thing that scene? But if Mando's coming in and this character is the one who saves them at some time or is the main character that Mando has to go interact with, not only is it exciting for people who've been longtime fans of the series, it's also actually going to engage people who've never watched Star Wars in their life because that's mm-hmm. part of the story. It's what needs to happen. So, yeah, I, I think it handles that really well, too. I think that brings me to my last major positive. I really enjoy the relationship um, growth between Mando and the child. And I know mm. for a fact that some people who had never seen Star Wars before weren't fans. They started watching it because it got such good word of mouth. And one of the reasons they kept watching it is because of that single relationship. And so mm. I think it really did open the fan base up to more people just because as people were trying to, to see Fandle handle, you know, the child and, and their relationship grow <laughs> yeah. and and uh, where that would go. I, I think uh, that was a great story hook. Um, that I think appealed to more people than I'm not sure even maybe the writers were thinking. So, yeah, I just want to make it known that Derek's list of positives about the show is only three long. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a little surprised, too. Is it really In the non-spoiler <laughs> section? Let's be real. There that's, could be that's more. Fair. That's fair. maybe there a could be 22 more. spoiler like positives. <laughs> yeah, correct. And there are three other people on this podcast. I didn't want to take it off. And <laughs> my negative lists are only three points as well. See, I keep oh, okay. it even. I keep oh, it even. It's, it's a good it's balance. It's balanced. Yeah, it's balanced. Like the force. Yeah. Just yeah. like uh, Anakin. <laughs> just, just like <laughs> Anakin. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, uh, even-tempered fellow. He's a good balance yeah. of midichlorians across his entire body. Spe- speaking of Anakin and negative, should we go into the negative list? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ooh. sure. Let's do it. This guy's good with transitions. I like it. Yeah, I like it. This is what I do. People, this is what I do. I don't know if repeating the last yeah. statement and then saying "and let's go to" is really. <laughs> hey, hey, that's my greatest how, right It's there. how he says don't, it. It's how he don't, says don't, it. It's true. Don't tell the fans a secret, man. This is how I do. Go, go. Go, go, go. Ignore me. me. (laughs) All right. So uh, negatives. I don't mind Mando having an interesting cast of characters. That's one of the reasons uh, I think one of the positives of the series usually. In the second season, especially as I was watching it, I felt like they were introducing a lot of characters and a lot of backdoor pilots for spinoffs for other series mm. and as mm. we found out with the disney investment call that's exactly what they were doing <laughs> yeah yeah that's very that's fair that's fair yeah so basically what we what kind of killed marvel phase two was the fact that they were so you're you're are you worried then derek that they're gonna do potentially over using mandalorian as the jump off point for other stuff kind of like how marvel phase two was just all about preparing for the next movie rather than focusing on the current one. I I, I think I, let's get a little specific because John's going to hop in about Marvel in a second to defend it. Uh, I think <laughs> I think that he's was not going to let that one slide. <laughs> I, I, I think that was the issue with the second Avengers movie, uh, Ultron. 
which overall I liked the movie, but even the director said they were cramming in so much stuff for the other movies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in yeah, that yeah, yeah. way, I think it, it, it is the same. And I think they did that with season two. I just don't want them to constantly do that. I'm okay with a little bit, and, and we won't get into spoilers yet of who they introduce. But it, it it was feeling like a bit much. So yeah, you're just dying to see that frog lady spinoff. It's <laughs> just like yeah. it's just yeah. a sitcom of this frog. I, uh, frog I play a thing. mobile game called Galaxy of Heroes. We're all hoping we get a frog lady character as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, to to your point, Derek, I think I think that's actually a fair knock on Phase Two of the MCU on both Star and, Wars and Marvel. And yeah. I, I would, to an extent, I think I think what we saw happen in season two was okay, but that's only because I don't think it took away the substance of the show. We still had a compelling storyline, a compelling season. And if, in my opinion, a fantastic finale. So if, if they don't uh, cheapen the substance of the show moving forward, I think it's okay. Uh, But if it becomes simply, Hey, this got really popular. So now let's use it to springboard other shows then it's going to lose its interest and it's going to lose its fan base pretty quick. It's like it was on the precipice of being too much because for the most part, every new character plays into the finale in some way or it served as a point for man. I'm just gonna call it Mando for Mando's like personal journey where like all these characters that are introduced kind of teach him something about himself in some way and about his mm-hmm. own beliefs. So I think that was fine, but it is kind of this like the seeping in of like the cynicism of like creating a franchise where basically every character that's introduced in this show was announced to have their own show coming up forward. <laughs> and so that does kind of retroactively like dust this little dust on the show that I enjoyed. That's fair. But it's yeah, it was, it was, it was up to the line. It was up to the line where every episode is a new character. If I can put a, another side to that, I didn't know that some of these characters were getting spinoffs until like literally the very end. But with that <laughs> yeah. in mind, it didn't actually detract from me thinking that that may be, a possibility in fact when we finished the show i sort of just thought well i know they're making other shows but i don't really know anything about what they're making so i guess what i mean to say is i'm still like got that i have that pure enjoyment still intact <laughs> because i haven't damaged it by reading news yeah. about what they're coming out with next the 10 star wars shows we're gonna get <laughs> yeah yeah i have no idea what's over the corner <laughs> In the interest of still being spoiler free, I will I will I will word it this way so those who have seen the show know what I'm talking about. In the fifth episode of season two, they introduced a character, and the second I saw the character, I was like, "Yeah, there's going to be a show about them." Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it, I it was same thought. Same thought. Yeah, I, I just I knew immediately that they had to. Yeah, I think that was the difference between season one and season two for me. Season one, they introduced a lot of characters and they and and they brought them together again for a season finale but none of mm-hmm. from what i remember i don't think any of those characters are are scheduled to get a spin-off for season two yeah. they're introducing some major star wars lore people <laughs> and you're yeah. like uh yeah. this is the i i don't see them inhabiting yeah. just a mandalorian story uh it, it's i'm pretty guaranteed that they're gonna get a um Mm-hmm. another spinoff so um which does sell into my just my second negative which is very closely connected um i think a byproduct of so many characters being introduced is that sometimes the mando took a back seat in his own show and mm-hmm. again i'm okay with that sometimes but it just felt like it was happening uh, and i agree with dan it was right at the edge for me so again it didn't necessarily detract for this season for me again i really enjoyed it but i, I again i just want them to be careful with that so 
Mm. That's my second negative. Third negative, jump right into it. Mm. Um, because they're introducing so many different characters, they're also introducing some characters with many different power levels. I won't say anything more about that because we'll get into spoiler t- territory later. Um, but it made me realize... Is this Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it made me realize one of the reasons I like The Mandalorian is because he is... And, and uh, fanboys don't hate me. He, he's, a, he's a trained character in a suit of armor. Like, he doesn't have any other special powers. He's got the battle experience, all that stuff. And that's one of the things I and love. And even when he gets better armor, the Beskar armor, he still gets, like, the snot beating out. Correct. <laughs> and that's one of the things I love about the series. Like, I, I sometimes when you introduce higher power characters, again, I'm trying to be very careful here, you sometimes get into the <laughs> Superman syndrome, where they can become so overpowered um, that I can overshadow other threats in the show. And one of the things I love about the Mandalorian is that he's facing some real threats and it feels like a real threat. It's like, oh my goodness, how's yeah. he going to get out of the situation? Well, it's like in season one when, uh, I forget which episode it's called, but the one Bryce Dallas Howard directed where it's this small town on like a forest planet and the big bad that they have is that some pirates took an ATST <laughs> just and one. are using mm-hmm. it to terrorize them. It's, yeah, it's just one. Yep. Um, and it's like, if only they had just some death teddy bears around to just help them out. <laughs> but like, or Superman. Yeah, or su- yeah, I'd love that. But it's like, yep. if, if they, yeah, if they have this power creep that gets too over... If this power creep turns out like Wonder Woman 1984, then it's going to be bad <laughs> because nothing's going to be scary anymore. I haven't seen it yet. It's not spoilers. It's just power creep. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> I like, I just, <laughs> and there's a point where it just becomes so much that it's, uh, yeah, the threat's going to be gone and you're going to be going like, well, if I wanted this, I would go watch the Disney mainline Star Wars films. Yeah. We've seen that in the Avengers to so bring that back again. And again, I love the Avengers too, but like if Thor's on your team and Thor's going through so many different <laughs> yeah. power levels, like exactly. I'm like, why isn't Thor doing if that? If he can breathe in space, yeah. why <laughs> is he not <laughs> doing why is Iron Man doing that again? <laughs> Anyways, let's not do yeah. that again. So just just to bring this point home, I, one of the things I love about the show is that the Mandalorian is a a great character and he's facing real threats. The more people hmm. you add to his team that of a power level that's higher the the less real those threats get so just a caution again yeah. i enjoyed the season but just yeah so is he like the hawkeye of mandalorian yes <laughs> okay i yeah. like hawkeye well, man <laughs> yeah hawkeye is one of my favorites his I, show is going to be sick based on the matt fraction am, comic yeah uh, but i'm so excited <laughs> let's say the juxtaposition between like mandalorian in the last episode his his big threat versus the way some other characters deal with those exact same threats like mm-hmm. the difference of like quote unquote power level where you yes. have this like very yeah. vulnerable character where he's like John Wick, where you believe he's going to yeah. win, but he's going to take a beating the whole time. And that's so much more right. interesting yeah. than just a wave of a hand mm-hmm. kind yes. of thing. Where... And, we, and we'll talk about that more with spoilers, but uh, you mentioned Hawkeye. One of my favorite, lines and i think it was from avengers 2 the ultrans like i'm just a man with arrows i don't know why i'm here and and (laughs) like that's the perfect description of hawkeye and for me that's a mandalorian like that's the perfect description and he's still kicking butt and doing a great job just a man with a gun (laughs) just a man with a jetpack and they make me take it off several times in this series i don't know why (laughs) Uh, oh that man melvin you're still in my wait till we get the spoiler guys wait for it man I I want to revive a general thought that we had during our pre-show kind of show notes stuff, where this 
series felt like a video game. So mm -hmm. I just started playing through mm -hmm. The Outer Worlds, which is Obsidian's latest RPG. I don't know if it's latest. I think it came out last year, maybe. I don't know. Well, actually, if this is uploaded, yeah, this will be uploaded in 2021. It was last year, I think. Yeah. And it's very fun, but it has the same aesthetic of you're traveling from different planets and you're just sort of taking jobs as you're trying to complete a main task. And it was neat to watch some of these episodes where Mandalorian was just sort of like has this main quest of taking baby Yoda to to his owners and or to wherever he belongs. And he just like ends up on a planet and other side quests show up, but he still has to complete them to get enough money to pay for getting somewhere else or to complete other things. And I think there's something really fun about that sort of Pandora's box that is science fiction where anything can happen but you sort of have your your stable mainline hero on his stable mainline quest so i just aesthetically that was something i really liked now as a negative i thought some of the music although there was improved music and scoring in this season as opposed to the first because i think i think once disney was like wait people people like star wars they like the mandalorian all they've been doing is hating our movies for the last four years um, <laughs> once they realized people liked it i think they just started chucking money at it and i you could really see that with season oh, yeah. two and i like that but i think um some of the music choices for season two were frustratingly dumb like i i found it distracting in that uh there's an episode where a mandalorian meets uh the mando meets other mandalorians and the theme song they gave them is like glitchy jumpy irritating scratchy music and i was like this is dumb and stupid and i hate this i hate everything about this and then they do the dubstep meme in a later episode where it's just dubstep music for some guys and i'm like this is this is not 2008 what is going on i don't understand so i don't know stuff like that is like let's just accept the fact that melvin benson has bad takes every episode of the cinematic <laughs> doctor podcast and this is it That's this true. is my bad take but it is true thank you um, i'm glad somebody agrees with me i was gonna say i i haven't seen uh your podcast episode on tenet yet and i can't wait to hear what you felt about that movie. Sound <laughs> what my bad take is on tenet oh <laughs> no, no. just the sound mixing in that one disastrous <laughs> Um, but don't worry. We, I thought Mando had good sound mixing. I just did okay. not like these two songs or two theme songs, basically, for these characters. Yeah. But I, that's OK. That's that's it. If we had to if we had to pick positive and negatives, that's that's what we're doing. So that's where I'm at. I'm going to be fair. I would so much rather that your biggest gripe is about some of the music choices. Some dubstep. That, <laughs> that, like, that like the storyline and the acting and, and the, the, like the climactic moments, they were, oh, they I were loved actually it. It was a great good. time. They were actually good. Yeah. I liked, I thought it was really daring to have this show and this season end like guardians of the galaxy two, mm. which we can get into later, but it has a very similar focus and tone to end it that mm. way. And I, I thought that was, that's such a daring thing to do with your super high budget production where you're trying to get everybody to keep watching yeah. to just to just end it with such a well, somber focus. When, when they decided to switch to Muppets for the finale, I didn't know <laughs> if that was going to work or not. Wild! But, you know. <laughs> Bravo, Favreau! Yeah. They... <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> He, you know, he said he wanted to channel some Kurosawa with this uh, Mandalorian <laughs> series, so I just didn't think he was going to do that. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, generally speaking, it was 
really good. I really I'm sitting here because while we're sitting here listing positive and negatives, I'm tr myself trying to think of like, hmm, like, how would I like, what are the things I didn't like? What are the things I did like? And for the most part, I am really racking my brain to think of anything that really bothered me. There's just it's it's this thing of like most of the show is not particularly ambitious as far as plotting or structure. It has a pretty set in stone rhythm where each episode Mando goes to a different planet where you meet a different space person who has a different like, you know, RPG side quest task for him to do. And each episode they do a good job. Just it felt like they sat down and were like, what's cool things he could do? So like, all right, what mm -hmm. if he went here and had to shoot these people? And the next episode, he'll go here and shoot these other people. <laughs> and then and then different episodes do different things with like architecture and characters and motives. Like um, episode five, as has been referenced, there's a lot of Akira Kurosawa in the show. There's shots that are literally lifted from Yojimbo, which for nerds is something that they'll really enjoy. And so I think for the most part, that set rhythm is great. That also means they don't ever do anything particularly daring or risky narrative wise, which means they don't ever really mess up particularly bad. So yeah. honestly, like I liked all the music, even that weird glitchy dubstep song. <laughs> I loved most of the action scenes. I think the John Favreau writing like 80% of the episodes was a good decision. And as usual, like this all-star cast of directors where you got Robert Rodriguez Carl Weathers got to direct an episode, which was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just really solid television. Every week I was excited to see it, which is something that I didn't really get to say most of 2020, where there was this consistent mm. thing I was looking forward to every week for a little bit. So overall, <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah, and so, they had um, Sam Hargrave, who directed uh, Extraction, also did a lot of um, fight choreography for Marvel, was brought in to do a lot of the fight choreography for Mandalorian. Because they, I think, if I remember from the interview correctly... He was asked, like, from Favreau or somebody to just, like, can you just make it crazier? <laughs> like, a lot of the, the, the fights he nice. goes And, yeah, it literally, like, your description of, wouldn't it be cool if he goes to this planet and shoots these people? <laughs> 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 I know you just described so much other more interesting heady things, but when you start with that, that's where I'm going to stay. <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it's true, though. Like, it was it's just, just like, it's like, it's like they've had a pin board and they had different Star Wars characters and aliens. It's just like these characters he'll be friends with these ones he'll kill and it was like great let's do a season of television you know can you imagine showing up for like a million dollar oh, job and your boss looks at you and goes we want to get crazy <laughs> like, you're just like okay see what you did last time that was too tame go crazy <laughs> we, oh, we need about four more cc's of crazy <laughs> john you got any positives negatives uh spoiler free not too much um i mean i liked it that's a good oh. thing <laughs> all right yeah Positive. no i mean i, I think i kind of already touched <laughs> on it before where i shared that um uh in general i think star wars lends itself to the long form yeah. slow burn yeah, yeah, yeah. of a tv show which is fascinating considering like it starts as three movies yeah. was only started as one like never intended to have a sequel anyway and now it's like almost like it only works in long form. No, I'd agree with that. I think uh, one of the things kind of going back to what Daniel was talking about earlier with, you know, Dave Filoni being someone that everyone is like looking to, like I was watching an interview with John Favreau where he actually said that uh, he'll get a lot of pushback from Dave on his ideas. And ultimately he's like, if Dave doesn't give me the green light, I drop it. 
Interesting. <laughs> and wow. and wow. so the, the, the interaction that they have uh, is, is, is really, yeah, really interesting. So I guess we'll go into our spoilers then. Um, yes! So if you're listening and for some reason you have not watched Mandalorian Season 2, why have you not watched Mandalorian <laughs> Season 2? You gotta get around Stop to listening. it. Go what else it. are you doing? Yeah, what what else is happening? I mean, we're all stuck at home. COVID-2 electric boogaloo started and we're all stuck at Like, what, what are we gonna do? So watch yeah. Mando Season 2. That's a better Season 2 than COVID-2. But uh, other than me yeah. just trying to pan out and give you more time <laughs> yeah. to rush to another podcast episode, we're going to finally get to these spoilers. So, Derek, well, f- actually, first off, can you guys believe it that it took 40 years for us to see another live action stun ray in Star Wars? What are you talking about? In, in episode four, they <laughs> use a stun ray. In episode four, they <laughs> use a stun ray on Leia. And then they never use it again. They go right back to shooting red lasers instead of circle beams, blue circle beams. And then oh. in a later episode, they stun Baby Yoda oh, and put little baby handcuffs on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know they, what you're talking wow. about now. That threw me okay. off because when you were saying episode four, I was thinking of episode four of Mandalorian. And then no. you said Leia. And I'm like, what the heck is this guy talking about? <laughs> you didn't see that, you right. Which reminds me that like me and Catherine was trying to figure out where this takes place in the timeline. So she's like, is this after after episode three? I'm like, no, episode six. She's like, but I thought episode six was the Sith. I'm like, no, episode six is Revenge of the Jet or is the oh my God. Revenge of the Jedi. Star Wars she's like, sometimes. wait, but I thought that was three. I'm like, no, that's the third movie, but that's the sixth in the series she's like wait a minute and so then i had to sit up <laughs> and i was like okay Catherine, let me get out a dartboard let me start explaining it's just, just but it was, like uh... where does the holiday special come in yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. man we don't talk about that um the new that's one that's canon like, now because of mandalorian no, so <laughs> yeah it's true. it's true the first episode that's uh, but yeah um they use a stun ray. That is the that is my most significant. <laughs> that is callback. what the fans wanted to hear us talk about. Is this. That is why is I listen to your podcast. <laughs> yep. Do you know when I saw that on the episode? I thought that's my end. That's what I have to say on this episode. Uh, what a rich vein this has been. <laughs> that is my contribution. I don't care about yeah. Grogu. I don't care about him <laughs> eating these things. I don't care about Bubba Fett coming back or Ahsoka or Luke Skywalker. What I'm here to talk about is a blue circle beam that came out of a clone troopers. Thing. I like how yeah. just so, right there you dropped everything. What, what, did, what did you guys think about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Derek and John, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, stun ray? You know, thinking about that, uh, anytime I hear the word stun ray, it sounds like stingray. And then I get really angry about Steve Irwin's death. One heck of a string theory. <laughs> uh yeah no uh to be fair i actually didn't think of uh that scene in uh a new hope so no no one but melvin did yeah no one did are we surprised are we surprised that's amazing i can't believe i've wasted like a solid six minutes talking about no that was that was well i'm sure that'll be edited out in post Um, oh i'm keeping all that everything else he's gonna he's gonna lengthen it in post somehow Oh man, uh, yeah. I mean, if we're if we're like full spoilers now, I think one of the things that I was most excited about was the beginning of the first episode of season two when they introduce Cobb Vanth, but he's wearing Boba Fett's armor, and you're like, oh, oh, they're just, they're just jumping right into it. Oh my gosh, it's 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 oh, it's Timothy Oliphant. That's not Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 yet they still like 
they brought him back at the end of the first episode. So you actually were like, oh, no, they're actually going to do it. Okay, they weren't just being mean and, and taunting us. <laughs> and my one of my favorite things was when uh, Mandalorian was taking Grogu to the Seeing Stone with the whole Jedi. First of all, he, he, he <laughs> he's like, uh, do you see anyone? Or maybe they're supposed to see you. And then he, like, walks around the rock seeing if there's something that he's supposed to, like, do. And it, I don't know, just his, uh, the fact that he doesn't know anything is wonderful. Yeah, strong dad energy. (laughs) Yeah, major dad energy. We're all about dad energy on Cinematic Doctrine. (laughs) Bring it up almost every three episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Boba Fett shows up and he gets in, like, hand-to-hand combat with the stormtroopers and kicks their but mm-hmm. with like with like a Jawa's staff, or is it a Tuscan Raider? I can't remember. The music and the sound there was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very, very Robert good. Rodriguez. He loves yeah. his violence, and yeah, he, he was just having. A he ball. apparently was handed like not like a half finished script, and so he just padded the episode with action. Is what he said. So he was just like, "All right, let's just do more Boba Fett action." And I was like, "What a great creative direction from, from Rodriguez." Yeah, I'd read too that he really liked Bubba Fett as a kid as most everybody did him and his ship were just like the cool toy to get and he wanted more of Bubba Fett in in the movies like also everybody else uh wanted and so he was saw this as an opportunity to make Bubba Fett do all the things that he wanted Bubba Fett to do it's just funny to imagine though a baby Robert Rodriguez is like yeah I want to watch Bubba Fett murder some guys that sounds <laughs> awesome and, yeah dream big kids you never know what you need to do so. <laughs> yeah it's perfect. That's a good takeaway. <laughs> that is a good take. I agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, so do you want to go to your negatives and positives list? Oh, sure. <laughs> is it, are you charging up, Derek? Is it happening? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. he's, uh, Derek's about to go Super Saiyan. Uh, no, no, that was on the. It's happening. That was in regards to the uh, Dream Big uh. Kids and killing people. Anyway, so let's move on. Um, right. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I combine some positive and negatives. Uh, so one positive is uh, this. I, I love this in season two. I thought Mano's growth and his feelings for the child were genuine. I thought they earned that. And so when Mando, when the child's taken and Mando's like almost desperate to get him back, I was like, okay, I can see his character doing that. And he's doing stuff that you wouldn't have imagined him doing in season one like taking off his helmet and even the last finale when he takes off his helmet to say goodbye to the kid so the kid can finally see his face like that was a touching Mm -hmm. moment and also i think it was the same episode where the child was taken i think that was called the tragedy when he Mm -hmm. does that hollow voice recording to oh i forget john carlo i forget the guy's name anyways when he's gideon Yes, Moff Gideon. Thank you. When he is, sorry, Uh, (laughs) when he does that message to Moff Gideon saying, you don't know how much he means to me, that is the same speech that Moff Gideon gives to him in the season finale of the first season. But he switches out. Um, and, And just stuff like that brings chills up like, oh, he is serious. He is coming for you. You did the one wrong thing um, with taking this kid. So, um, I loved all of that. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, just, just a negative slight challenge. Mando is so desperate to get the kid back and he's doing stuff. And I think it's all justifying stuff like that. like taking off his helmet and stuff like that. I just don't want them to go super far into Mando losing even some of his old traditions. I, I think the situation caused him to update his transitions quickly, especially because of the circumstances. But I think, part of what makes Mando a cool 
characters, he has certain things that uh, he tries to adhere to. And so going into season three, I'm curious what elements will he continue to adhere to and what elements he won't. I don't want him to go fully, you know, give all that stuff away because then I think that might make him another character. So um, I don't yeah. know. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. about that, guys? You would lose a lot of the drama that's that we're we're kind of instilled to expect in the Mandalorian, like knowing mm-hmm. he has to mm-hmm. take off his helmet as an audience member is like, that's a big deal. And so mm-hmm. now we're starting to get tense. We're going to get engaged knowing like when, um, yeah, Timothy Oliphant reprising his, uh, acting role from once upon a time in Hollywood, where he also played kind of <laughs> a uh, cowboy, but not really. It was an well, actor he, playing he's justified. He, he's, he's the guy in justified. Oh, just, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just I that think character I in the space. First, like three episodes yeah. of that show. It's pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, he, Coming up in with the Mandalorian armor, a Boba Fett's armor, and then finding out that he's not a Mandalorian, knowing the creed, or at least Mando's particular creed of Mandalorian, mm-hmm. there's drama to that that's really engaging. And you continue to get that when Boba Fett comes back and is like, I want my armor. And he's well and justified to have his armor, uh, which sidebar, I really like when sci-fi stories or even fantasy stories kind of lift up armor or weaponry as like having these like intrinsic values so like us when in episode one or two i can't was i think it was one when we see bubba fett's armor like we get that kind of classic fantasy idea of like well like an rpg that's the rare armor that i want to go find Mm -hmm. (laughs) and go put Mm -hmm. on so to, to see that it's really neat anyways to see him wanting the armor back later in the season and mandalorian's like you can't have it it's really good drama for like, it's a good story. And if season three were to continue to deconstruct Mandalorian's beliefs, because this whole season mm-hmm. really was kind of built around that. Like Definitely. when do his beliefs get in the way of like what he has love for and is impassioned for. So like the, the stereotypical, I fight for my friends kind of classic arc, but also for baby Yoda. I think if it goes too far, yeah, it could be a bummer and we're going to lose some out of it. But I also have faith that it will still be good if that makes sense because it's like so far i mean mandalorian hasn't put out a bad episode or a bad thing that i really disliked yeah. except for dubstep yeah. but <laughs> i won't let them live that one down but we know where you stand i don't want yeah. dubstep in my star wars this is not the amazing spider-man 2 i don't need this <laughs> oh man <laughs> which was clearly improved by it yeah <laughs> yes. definitely you guys want another one? Um, Absolutely. So generally, <laughs> generally, I think the show is well-directed, well-written. Um, Disney did a behind-the-scenes, and just the way – I'm not sure if you guys seen this. Um, the way they film it, a lot of the sets aren't, like, on location. They they yeah. they built, like, this, like, kind of a, a building, and they holodeck. film a lot of it inside. And it pretty much looks like the holodeck. They have these large screens around. It's not even green screens. It's, like, large screens, and they just change, like, the inside of the setting. It, it's crazy. If you guys get a chance, watch the making of. It's great. So I think a lot of it's well-acted, um, well-directed, uh, well-shot, and well-written. Except there were a few lazy forced plot things this season, like uh, when during the tragedy, when Amando uh, meets Boba Fett and Boba Fett tells him not to put down his weapon, to put down his jetpack. And they're fighting and Mando's running back and forth and he doesn't grab his jetpack. Why? Because he wanted to build tension. That's right. At the end, the dark troopers come and he can't reach them in time because he doesn't have a jetpack. I'm like. We could have found a better way. Maybe he was about to fly away, and, and <laughs> the lady shot his jetpack, so now it's broken. It's, we could do better than this guy. So, to be fair, they did that. To, they did that exact thing to Boba Fett in yeah, Return of the so Jedi, funny. and it's like 
And we all hate it. <laughs> I guess. I, I ah, hate it more when there's he, plot stuff. He got back. I can't believe yeah. it. It's such a meta meta thing to yeah. do. Robert Rodriguez, you king. He was like, trust me, take off the jetpack. Uh, Han Solo's going to accidentally break it. You're going to go into a Sarlacc pit. It's going to be awkward. <laughs> he looks directly at the camera. I've had difficulty with those. <laughs> <laughs> The second big offender is when Bill Burr's character, Mix Mayfield, refuses uh-huh. to put on his helmet for some reason, although every stormtrooper in the world always puts on the helmet. Yeah. And then he walks in and he sees his commander officer. Of course, he can't go in there because he's going to get recognized. So Mano yeah. has to go in there and he has to stand in front of the worst scanner in the world. Can someone explain the scanner to me? So apparently the scanner doesn't sit, scan your face to see if you should be in there. It just scans to see if you have warrants or something. So <laughs> all this just so, <laughs> so Mandalorian can take off his helmet. We get it. We got you. I just felt like that could have been well better written. So there you go. That confused me watching it. I was like, but if it's going to scan him, it's going to be like, you're not Imperial. And then it's yeah. not going to let him access the computer. But I was like, whatever. I mean, I've complained about Star Wars for too long in my life. I need to just accept accept what I'm watching and just get over it. <laughs> that all does lead to one of my favorite scenes the entire season, though. Yes. It it's set up for a great. Is it, which one? Uh, which one? Because I, I feel like you're well, either going to say Bill, it was Bill him Burr taking the helmet is, off, or no, no, what but Bill Burr Bill, did. Well, like Bill Burr sitting there. I was if I was yes. to sit here and talk about like things I like is Mandalorian. One of the things that does amazingly well is it makes the Star Wars world feel like a real lived in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you're seeing a soldier who was there for one of these big space battles where these were actual human beings that die, where in Star Wars, you just think there's big explosions, like yep. whole planets get decimated, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's whatever. But here we see, like, a guy who was there. This is his D-Day. And so he's talking to his commanding officer about, like, the cost of war, and you can see the Empire's philosophy really, like, rub up against, like, a person who cares about individuals. And so that kind of stuff is the little bits of magic in Mandalorian, where Star Wars suddenly feels more than just... I don't know, like this big space battles. And it's, yeah, yeah, like Star Wars has always kind of felt a little cheap to me in some ways where here we see Star Wars is just like this actual expansive universe filled with human beings and characters, you know, even another line like that. That sounds a lot like when um, they're talking to Bubba Fett at the bar and she, one of the disses that the character has is like, I've heard your voice plenty of times, which is great because yeah. in the Clone Wars cartoon, all the, all the clones have the same voice. <laughs> right. It's awesome. Right. Yep, yep. It's a really good line, but it's like you think about like this has been how many years since the clones were produced, the war is over, and now there's just clones everywhere who are like, like if we if this was an RPG, this is an entire new faction that's just been produced, um, and all the things. So yeah, but you, was the scene in particular that conversation, or was yes, because the... that conversation wouldn't have happened if that they didn't have that whole awkward thing where he can't he needs to take his helmet off and it takes too long, and mm-hmm. the whole fact that he's sitting there and the machines beeping causes that guy to get. I'm okay with kind of semi lazy, semi like four scenes if it leads to something that has a good payoff so yeah for the most part yeah. those weird things in mandalorian lead to things where i'm just like okay fine that's the entry fee for having them have this big shootout right to shoot their way out yeah. of the cafeteria where there's four <laughs> guys holding trays that yeah. aren't ready for a battle and just shoot them all <laughs> yeah. yeah so well and, and i think there, there's two things there that i want to touch on the first is that i i loved the the just kind of brief payoff because 
when they were driving there, Mayfeld kept giving him crap about his uh, personal beliefs, mm -hmm. saying, right. you know, if you grow up in the Empire, you believe one thing. If you grow up on Alderaan, you believe one thing. And, and so he's giving Mando grief about what he, you know, lives his life by. And then after that scene where they kill everyone, he makes this offhanded comment. And he's like, well, now no one's seen your face. <laughs> That's great. And he's like, I never saw it either, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, which that episode was just a really strong one because not mm, only yeah. does he, does Bill Burr make the line about like empire or resistance it doesn't matter which side you are like you're all the same to these people you're it's all just indigenous yeah. livers yep you're all invaders and then you even see like when they make it when they succeed after the pirate attack everyone's celebrating and they basically just shot they they pretty much probably directed everybody the same they would as like the res if the resistance completed something and the, the x-wing just flew back in and everyone's mm -hmm. cheering it's the virtually same scene yeah and what's great is because then it kind of breaks down to who's in charge like who's in charge and what's the ideology behind it and that's where the fault is and that's where the misery is it just brings the kind of much needed nuance that hasn't been engaged in the live action sector of star mm -hmm. wars probably since empire because empire has a lot of very good sort of light and subtle lines that really speak to a bigger universe um return mm -hmm. of the jedi kind of loses some of that because it wants to sell toys bring back han solo and then you have <laughs> like yeah you have your lightsaber at the end but it's still a good movie but it yeah it kind of loses it and yeah i just i just think that that's one of the big positives when it comes out of the season is that they're really laying better groundwork for saying yes this is a world that is lived in yes this is this mm. is bubba fett's armor and it's been used <laughs> so <laughs> that when we see it that it's cleaned off it's actually really cool um, yeah right i i think that's really neat yeah and it's like it's interesting because star wars's morality has been almost comically black and white where it's like the empire <laughs> yes. evil empire mm -hmm. all these yeah. like they have all these striking colors they all look uniform uh -huh. and the same and like good guys and bad guys are so clearly illustrated. Mm -hmm. And so here we get to see like the nitty gritty of it. Or like the first episode is, hey, the Empire fell. But then that just created a power vacuum for a bunch of other bad people to show up <laughs> yes, and take yeah, over this poor yeah. town, you know. Yeah. Yep. And like these are the real life fallout of actual war. And now we're yep. placing that onto Star Wars, which mm -hmm. I don't know, like I'm, I'm going to plead ignorance here. I have not read the timothy zahn novels i i'm not an expanded universe person so i don't know if there's all these great stories that address these things but as far as like the mainline star wars go this is first we're seeing of that which i'm sure other people here will be able to speak to better than me but i will also say that that's a strength of mandalorian where it makes canon easy where they bring in mm. all these other characters from the cartoons and stuff but they present them in a way where anyone can immediately understand who they are and it sort of yeah. for fans it's super cool for the general audiences hey that's Sasha Banks hanging out with some lady. Hey, I know, I know who Boba Fett is. Oh, that's yeah. that cartoon lady played by Rosario Dawson. This is cool, you know. Yeah, which is yeah. actually John. I think you wanted to talk about this. Yeah, it's probably the reason why in Episode Five, the Jedi, they call, or at the very least, they don't maybe directly call Ahsoka a Jedi, but the reason they just decide to just call her the Jedi. Um, is because although an extended canon, it's probably not appropriate to call her a Jedi to everyone else that's watched only the movies or really just knows about Star Wars. If they have a lightsaber, they're a Jedi. So it doesn't matter. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and so no, I, I wonder yeah. if that's one of the reasons why 
that's one of the reasons why it works so well is because probably everyone behind the scenes knows like we can't spend this episode having her talk about why she can't be a Jedi and the, and the moral quandaries and reasons why she's not a Jedi. For this episode, she just needs to be a Jedi. We got to have our Kurosawa moment, and we need to move forward. <laughs> no, I, I would I would agree with that completely. I think that the episode is called the Jedi because he's looking for Jedi. He was told there's a Jedi there, and yeah. you know, for for people who watched uh, the animated Wars, show, yeah. who like have a lot of investment in Ahsoka and her relationship with Anakin. It was a fantastic episode. And honestly, for someone who doesn't know any of that, it was a fantastic episode. Yeah, it was good. And, it was really and good. so I think, I think, you know, they, they've done a really good job of including stuff that is an Easter egg and a wink to people who know all of that, but they've also made it completely accessible to the people who only have seen the movies and that's okay. And I think that's great. And like, it's, it's a couple small things. Like uh, when she's standing behind two guys and she opens her lightsabers against each other. Yeah. That was awesome. And like slowly opens them before, you know, flipping out and, and, the, and, and holding them both. And that's something her character does. And it looks cool on screen, but it's also a nod to everyone who knows. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job of balancing that where it wasn't just fan service that alienated a large group of people. They, yeah, they, I just think they balance it really well. It's it's accepting that people, if people do know that these characters have these skills or abilities, they will use them naturally without making yeah. them do that and then zooming in and going, see, see, she's holding <laughs> the blade backward. <laughs> like, um, no, like in the fight, it's just she lost one blade and now she's like, well, I only have one and I'm going to do what's natural to me. <laughs> and so yeah. it looks normal. But anyone who's watched Clone Wars knows, ah, that's I've seen her do that plenty of times. That makes total sense because that's her fighting style, um, which it is. Isn't it so funny that like when. Clone Wars started with its animated movie and then the show. People didn't like her as a character, and now it's like, oh man, they hated her. Soka's probably like the most loved Star Wars character, yeah. just kind of like period. <laughs> like, That's very true. She's just so good, and I thought she was fine too. And when the show was out or coming out, I I liked her as a character. They needed something happy after Episode Three, where it's just dour and depressing. Yeah. the entire movie. So she's a great addition. Uh, before before we get too far away from Mayfeld, uh, just a, a fun little trivia fact. Ooh, did you guys hear about how Bill Burr got the role? No, no, I did not. I want to no. hear it so bad. Okay, so uh, I can't recommend you listen to his stand up. It's pretty raunchy, um, <laughs> but he is a stand up comedian, and he actually rips Star Wars pretty commonly. He he loves like pointing out the 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 things that don't make sense and goofs and gaffes, and he 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 basically tears into Star Wars for like five minutes in about any stand up routine that he does, and he gets a phone call from John Favreau, who's like. Hey, uh, you know, you, you make a lot of money and sometimes you talk crap about Star Wars, but I think it would be hilarious if you were in Mandalorian. And Bill Burr was like, what a that is joke. hilarious. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Bill Burr was like, no, that is hilarious. And I will totally be in, in the, the intellectual property that, that I make fun of all the time. Yeah. I'll take your money, sure. <laughs> right? yeah. and, then, and then honestly, like we were just talking about, that episode is not my favorite, but it's probably like top three of seasons one and two combined because of just the, the interactions that, that we talked about before that him and 
uh, uh, the Mandalorian have talking about yeah. beliefs and, and making, you know, the, those big explosions, making those real. Yeah. And I hope they, I hope they let his character sleep for a bit too. Maybe don't bring it back season three, but season four, I think that could be cool. Yeah. Bring it like, maybe he's off running a, running a town as a sheriff or a marshal. And he's, he's like, if, if I'm not empire or, or if I'm not resistance, then I'm going to be my own thing. And, and his entire town's totally okay until Mando shows up because everywhere he goes, something bad happens. So <laughs> I do think that episode had a lot of good payoffs. As Dan was talking about, like for his character Mayfield, like I think the analogy to his D-Day and just there's a lot of lore there um, behind that. One of my favorite scenes is when Mando's sitting down at the table with Mayfield and commanding officer, Mando's mask is off, and he's like silently giving him like the shake, like, dude, don't don't do anything because <laughs> that's right yeah, can't and talk. just just yeah. the <laughs> acting there is amazing so uh, for me that was one of my favorite scenes uh john had brought up uh, ahsoka i think it was great to see her there because i think there was a ton of fan service and I, I to those who know again i think this this season did a great job with fan service mm-hmm. tying in again the clone wars and the rebels uh, animated shows, which I haven't seen all of. And so it kind of made me want to go and see it. Can I just bring up, this is a positive. One of the coolest sure. things was that <laughs> we got to see inside of Boba Fett's ship and how it rotates, mm, that's which has right. been a great yeah. mystery Ooh, yeah. uh, forever. <laughs> forever. And so yep. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> Even my wife was like, which way's up and which way's down? As soon as, uh, as soon as the ship showed up, I was like, that that's slave one, right? That's, that's not just another one of those ships. That's actually slave <laughs> one. Right. Yeah, and then yeah, it was, yeah. and I was like, ah, that's awesome. <laughs> it was very haunting. Cause like, we know, like it's yeah. like, it's just such a good use of the fan service. It's how can I put this to my advantage as opposed to just being things we know. If I have it show up and like, basically we know like Mando's in a precarious situation. Baby Yoda's going to be alone and totally vulnerable. And then Slave One shows up. You're like, oh my, this is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. And then, and then it was. So anyways, it's, yeah, it is impressive. Well, and- when the when the two TIE fighters started chasing Boba Fett, I just like kind of laughed. I was like, this isn't going to end well for them. Well, that's like <laughs> when he's getting know. fake chased. There's the scene yeah. where he has to get fake chased. And then like, oh, yeah, yeah. he just immediately turns around and shoots at them. And then it's just like, it's it's over. It's done. I was just playing along. So, yep. There were two. There are two more things that I think we we should talk about. One is obviously Luke. That's yeah. 100% that should get talked about, at least the CGI part of him. Um, and then also, like I said, I was offline when this Baby Yoda eating eggs thing happened. You guys got to fill me in. What was this? Because, like, Daniel, you said you loved it. I watched it, and I oh, loved yeah. it in the sense of it I was just... amazing, but, like, because it was weird. But I was like, this doesn't this doesn't feel right. What's going on? Like, is, aren't those, like, uh, isn't that, who like, wants, the, Who the... wants to give the down low on this? Uh, I just, I have one funny anecdote, so I'll, I'll pass on the lore. Okay. I'll share. Oh, Dan, you go ahead. I was going to share it. You go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Okay. The one who loved it, Um, tell us about it, Daniel. So for those who are aware, so episode two of the season is apparently pretty unpopular for some reason, which I totally disagree with because it was like an, it was like an alien movie, but with Mandalorian, I was totally Mm -hmm. down for that. So it was it was definitely the most filler of the season. 
but it was like really kind of interesting. I, I it, love like, it was good though. Just I love monsters. I love horror. Oh. So I loved watching Mandalorian shoot. And I think there's some actual like good tension where you don't know if the frog lady is going to make it. To be honest with you, she's a disposable yeah. character for right. all accounts. But anyway, solid episode in my opinion. But throughout the episode, the the premise is that the lady needs to get to this planet to meet her husband because their species is dying, and she has like the last eggs of their species or whatever. And baby Yoda being a baby and of whatever species Yoda's are, I don't know if I'm ahead. And already liking to eat frogs because he ate some in season one. Established that he eats frogs <laughs> is just eating these eggs every time this poor woman <laughs> turns her back. So Yoda is basically create, committing adorable genocide. It's the cutest genocide uh-huh. that you've ever seen as eating these eggs. And Mando keeps us like, stop it. Don't do that. Which is a very baby thing to do because babies and like pets and which baby Yoda is effectively a mixture of both of those things. Um, We'll just eat things. They, they, babies put things in their mouths. My cat has pica. So he constantly just chewing plastic. This is just a thing adorable creatures do. But of course, because it's star Wars, so everyone likes to complain about for some reason. And because there's just really not much to talk about other than, you know, COVID-19 or the election. People are just like, I am very upset about this, this fictional baby eating fictional eggs of a species that doesn't exist. This is horrible. And so there was like articles of like, here's why this is actually really bad. And it's one of those things. It's, it's very much like Harambe, where it was like half the outrage was a joke so people were constantly just pushing people's buttons online just like making it worse seo was being manipulated by publications they were like if if people talk about harambe we gotta write an article about harambe yeah it's it's the same thing where it's like the twitter algorithms picked up a story and so everyone's gotta get their (laughs) article out real quick because everyone's talking about this baby yoda in everybody's getting a disney plus subscription (laughs) i need to see i need to see the the frog genocide committed by a baby so that's why the investors call yeah. went so well. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, my my sister, my sister-in-law was joking, but I remember she texted us that night and she was like, "Man, that baby eating the eggs gave me more anxiety than the spiders." Yeah, <laughs> it's a great plot device. That's what Catherine said. She literally said the same thing. She's like, oh, no. I don't know, "Something about this is like not right." I, it's, I'm not saying it's totally okay. I'm not at all saying that's right. not bad, yeah. but it's presented as bad in the show yeah. that's the thing that yeah. i feel like people are missing out and yeah. it's part of his character arc. and he then eats one of the spider eggs and it unleashes all of the spiders right so it's, it's like perfect storytelling but, but yeah he learns in the next the next episode perfect. he sees the hatched egg and he realizes that this is a real being and he actually likes the creature and he has to actually get taken away because he wants to hang out with this other baby creature. So it has an actual storytelling device, which I think once the payoff was seen, everyone was just like, oh, okay, whatever. Partially because you saw that the species would live on. So I, I just want to share the anxiety that those two episodes cost me because I don't see I don't see the Mandalorian as it comes out. I usually wait till it comes out then binge binge a bunch of episodes. I binged it too. And yeah, I heard it. about the controversy, and Me I too. thought it was so much worse than 
<laughs> it was gonna be like I thought Baby Yoda. They built it up to be a big. <laughs> I saw a podcast episode called Baby Yoda is Hitler, and I was like, Oh no! What is this season? What oh, is no. happening? Yeah, he had a weird thing about Jews in the episode. <laughs> Turns out it. Baby Yoda is actually Snoke. So like when that episode came up, the anxiety wasn't like that he was eating them. It was like, What's this? Is good? There's something worse that's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought Baby Yoda ate all the eggs. And, and yeah. like, he actually could. this yeah. is my worry as I'm watching it. I'm like so nervous <laughs> over the two episodes. And just for disclaimer, it's not good that he ate any of those eggs. But if, if you <laughs> take right. a look, it's, they, they did survive. The race continues. And you can kind of see how they were playing it as not for gags, but as again, as Dan's saying, part of his growth character. If, if you look at the episode as it was, then I could see what they're going for. But the internet had me all stressed out watching those two episodes. <laughs> yeah. I was. I was a mess. All right. Yeah. <laughs> when John Favreau met up with Sam Hargrave and was like, I want to do something crazy. This, <laughs> this is what he had in mind. I, I just want to say one thing. I want, I want the listeners of this podcast to hear me. The frog lady does not exist. Yes. And frog lady cannot hurt it's you. It's science fiction. <laughs> I guess. I love I I love Frog Lady. I thought she was a great character. Was a she good was really character. adorable. Was really She's one of the most yeah. sympathetic characters in the whole show. Seriously, she yeah. just wants to meet up with her husband, and it was a genuinely emotional moment <laughs> for her yeah. and her husband just squawk at each other or whatever, run towards each other. It was great. It was legitimately emotionally satisfying. I loved it. I loved it. Bravo, Favreau. I can't believe it. He just How does he do it? Yeah, I can't we, believe they're getting their spinoff. Are we going to see some Halloween costumes of, like, Grogu with, like, uh, the frog ladies? Yes. That's, yes. yes, we are. That's going to be the new Halloween and Christmas dish, just frog yeah. it's, that's Oh, no. That's this year's Ken Bone costume. It's the gag <laughs> yeah, costume I'm going to have. That's all right. Can, uh, we, can, we, can we talk about Luke Skywalker in the season finale now? <laughs> These Please. transitions, Derek. Okay. King of he transitions. eats no eggs. So Let's do this. <laughs> so Luke, Luke Skywalker is the opposite of problematic. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a retcon where, like, the whole fallout of Episode Eight is because Baby Yoda ate Yoda ate some eggs or something. <laughs> Luke lost his mind. <laughs> I saw what Baby Yoda could do. So yeah, I really want to see Baby Yoda meet Adam Driver. That's what I want. Why not? They could. I just that's what I want. Yeah. What if his death is what makes him evil or something? Okay, so leading up to the finale, <laughs> wondering who the Jedi was going to be that shows up. Uh, I think uh, for the most part, all of us were probably thinking, okay, it's after episode six. The sequel trilogy already set up the fact that Luke is trying to rebuild the Jedi. So right. Luke is the, the person showing up makes the most sense. But was there any other Jedi that you were considering that you thought Ooh, might show up? Good yeah, question. I know that um, since episode three has a cut scene where they kill one of the Twi'lek Jedi. And so mm -hmm. since it was cut, it was never canon. And then George Lucas made the Force Unleashed video game where yeah. the Twi'lek Jedi, forget her name. She's in a lot of Clone Wars I episodes. I believe it was Ayla Sakura. Yeah, I believe so. Um, she, yeah. you kill her in Force Unleashed. Um, she's not really a Jedi. Spoilers well, for is. a video You're... game <laughs> from like <laughs> ten years ago. <laughs> I, my bad. I, no, this is a Star Wars spoiler episode, so we're spoiling all Star Wars. So I was thinking though, like, okay, but Force Unleashed is not canon anymore, so that's why I don't mind mentioning that she dies in that. 
it's not canon. So I was like, Ayla Sakura might still be alive. So I was like, maybe they'll do that. Maybe I don't know what Darth Maul's up to by this point. So maybe he's not, maybe he's neutral or I think, I think he's like a bounty hunter. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if he's still alive. I know he is in like rebels, but anyways. So, but I was kind of thinking like, are they going to do Luke? Because like, I think it'd be cool to see old Mark Hamill. Maybe they'll just do a little bit of makeup, which you can see how surprised I was when they did not do that. Well, they went full Paul Walker. Yeah. <laughs> Super. Paul yeah. Walker. It was very Paul Walker. Um, there was, it wasn't very good. I didn't like the CG. I wish actually it was just older Mark Hamill. They, if they pulled a Defy Bloods where if they're just going to have a younger version of the character, they just have the old actor be that character um, yeah. as opposed to doing because if you can't afford like irishman level de-aging it's it's really bad i find de-aging so frustrating except for in the irishman and that's literally because the like 200 million budget was for the de-aging so i don't i don't know i as a concept though yeah i don't know who they were going to bring back but luke being that young was not on my mind i think for me i was open to whatever i um I feel like sometimes the Jedi Sith war gets circular and like who's alive, who's not, mm. who who died at Order Six Six or whatever that thing, Order Six Six. Like I, sometimes I get confused and in I it. Pull out my chart over here and I try exactly. To I like I'm, I'm going to need a flow chart. Um, <laughs> some people were talking about Mace Windu that they might still uh, bring him back because he got Force Lightning off the ledge, but we don't know what happened to him. So I. I honestly did not know. Part of me was hoping for a Jedi that we've never met before because I thought that yeah. would have been interesting. But I'm okay with it being Luke. I do agree. I thought the CGI worked well when he wasn't talking. I think when he started yeah. talking, that's when yeah. it did it. But yeah. one of the things I'm happy about is we know Mark Hamill was not happy with the character arc for Luke in the sequels. So I thought this yeah. was kind of a good redemption for Mark Hamill sweet. and for Luke. Yeah. I thought mm -hmm. that was kind of a good, kind of good anything. My only other concern is that because of sequels, we know things don't end spectacular for Luke. So what's going to happen to Gorg yeah. Grogu going forward? So, but we'll see. Yeah, that could be really interesting. So if speculation wise, it could be interesting if one of the later seasons is Mando goes back to like save grogu from ah, what's going on could be really interesting there you go. and um maybe the whole series ends with like he just doesn't like the jedi which is fine he didn't know who the jedi were anyway in the beginning so and yeah that could be interesting because yeah we still have a fair amount of time probably before because daisy ridley's character what's her name ray 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 yeah ray isn't born yet she's born she's born like seven years from the events of this movie so you can kind of assume Adam Driver's character is born roughly the same time later too. So we got a lot of time before you, that. You, and you bring up a good point, Melvin. I, I'm I, I'm wondering what season three will be like, where they're going to go with Grogu. Um, because it's cool that he's developing his force powers, but as we were talking about earlier in the non-spoiler version, again, I'm always concerned about power creep. One of the things I love about the season finale was Mando going ham on a dark trooper. And like, he was that was a fight. just one. like you that was yeah. a fight. like mm -hmm. i was like oh my goodness i don't know if he can yeah. pull this out and like for him to <laughs> to fight so hard just to kill one um to me that was great because it shows like oh these dark troopers are a threat and yeah. then when they start marching yeah. towards um luke comes in and it's a cool scene don't get me wrong but it's he, great. like 
snaps his finger and they're dead. Uh, and so yeah. just at Mando season three, I just don't want Grogu to, hopefully they still bring back Grogu. That was another concern that people have. Um, yeah. But I don't want his power level to be at Luke Skywalker's power level because then I think that kind of ruins it. But I don't know. What do you guys think? That's why I think it's such a great, like, thing where that we constantly see baby yoda just fall asleep after doing something powerful mm-hmm. first off it's very cute but second it's like <laughs> a good way to sort of limit what he can do in a scene mm-hmm. so it doesn't become too yeah. much of a deus ex machina but yeah it's kind of like stranger things when 11 would do like one thing and then her nose would bleed and she would pass yeah i think it's a good yeah. it's a good in-universe limitation i'd rather they fall asleep than the nosebleed thing because that's what everything <laughs> does i mean yeah what true. is it um um, it happened Fantastic to Wonder Woman. Four. Yeah, yeah, it happened. Mm. It, did it? Did it happen to Wonder Woman? It I basically can't happens in Wonder Woman, not the nosebleed, uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's sort of the thing that they keep using. Yeah. So there, there's there's one thing I want to say uh, to that Derek about uh, Grogu is when um, when Ahsoka was there and she shared, you know, oh his name's Grogu and and she uh, kind of did a bit of an expository dump for the audience. <laughs> Uh, yes, she, she said did. that he he had been <laughs> trained at the temple for years before Order sixty six. So I, unless there's a big time jump in season three, I don't think an extra few months with Luke is going to suddenly break through <laughs> him to being like an amazing Jedi master. So if they did that, it it really wouldn't make sense. And in in the same vein, though, I, remembering that like this. Uh, this show takes place right after episode six. The Empire has just fallen. About like four, watching, four years, I think. Yeah, yeah. about four years. Um, watching Moff Gideon's face when he realizes that Luke has arrived, the guy <laughs> who killed the Emperor, yeah. who, as far as they know, the guy that killed Darth Vader, like, yeah. he was terrified. So mm-hmm. terrified he tried to kill himself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Rather than let Luke catch him the parallels uh, like that scene where Luke was tearing through the dark troopers, there was a moment he there's like one dark trooper uh, left in a certain room that he's in. And as he's leaving, he kind of flicks his lightsaber behind him to deflect a bolt away, which is something that Anakin did in revenge of the Sith when mm-hmm. he was on Mustafar killing the separatists. So it was like a little nod to that. Except this right. time they have like really happy, amazing music going on. Even it's like, if they just yeah. had like people in there, he would just be obliterating a yeah. bunch of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like poetry. It rhymes. There was uh, this gif that I saw afterwards where someone took the, uh, the final scene of Vader in Rogue One and put it right next to Luke yeah. in the finale where they were both going down the corridor. Mm. And it was, it was like a, a gorgeous, like uh, homage to that scene as well. It was, it was murder. Cool. It's glorious. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, murder. It's, it's, it's also it's robots. It's also Luke robots, is killing robots. So. Yeah. Luke's killing robots. Well, and, and that like the, the final robot he kills, he force crushes. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't a Jedi thing. So it was just, I don't know. It was really intriguing to me to get my little Jedi picks in here um for <laughs> so i i also kind of thought it would be mace windu to, to an extent just because samuel jackson has such a good relationship with disney so mm-hmm. he would have been yeah. a really good like pull for them <laughs> what if he just shows up but he's um sam he's nick fury or he's jewels from pulp fiction and just <laughs> starts shooting people <laughs> Uh, Moff Gideon's like, what? <laughs> He's never seen an afro before. Um, but, 
They don't um, allow Afros in the Empire. <laughs> so I would have, first off, I would have loved also if it had just been another Jedi, but with like a yes. famous actor. So like imagine if mm-hmm. like Chris Pine had been like a Jedi or like Tilda Swinton or just like a cool big name actor. Yeah. Oh, Tilda Swinton would have been great. That would have been that sick. Been so Definitely. good. Yeah. I never even considered that, but I 100% support it. Please, please. It Disney, who I know listens to this <laughs> podcast. Um, they do. But <laughs> Definitely. I uh, yeah. I th- kind of thought they might pull also because the part of the thing for Mandalorian is they pull in all these disparate elements. I thought we might see like Ezra from Rebels or something because yeah. also because Thrawn was mentioned in the season. Yeah, I thought yes. that, that, been... that was my thing. Mason, Ezra were the two people I was thinking as well. Yeah. yeah. Or I thought it'd been cool if they got the character from Jedi Fallen Order who is played by Cameron Moynihan, who's like a real person, an actor. So I thought that'd have been a really cool pull to pull like a video game character yeah. with an actor they could have portrayed. Mm-hmm. But the the moment that they mentioned the Jedi, my wife was like, that's Luke Skywalker. It's going to be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Like he's so <laughs> yeah. old now, um, yeah. <laughs> but she was right the whole time. And so I, there's a part yeah. of me that was in my head was like, it's going to be Luke because yeah. my wife's always right for some reason. <laughs> but you see the X-Wing coming up and you're like, it's, it's not going to be Luke. It's, I know it. It's, 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 <laughs> it's Wedge you know, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. It's definitely Wedge. Yeah. No, when the X-Wing showed up, I was like, okay, that's gotta be Luke. But then, they tease us with the first yeah. couple shots just being on the black and white security camera. So you don't yeah. really know. And then yeah. there's a green lightsaber and it's oh, all okay. like, ah, yeah, it's over at that point. Yeah. All my bets yeah. are off. Uh, right. I think, I think Mace Windu would have been really cool, especially if that led into finding out that maybe Mace Windu had survived and was helping Luke rebuild the order. That would have been awesome. And I'm reminded of a tweet from like, like eight years ago where uh, someone was talking about Revenge of the Sith and Samuel L. Jackson uh, hopped in and was like, yeah, I think Mace Windu probably survived the fall. I and I don't that, know yeah. if uh, George Lucas's tweets are canon or not, but George Lucas said, that's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> Didn't they give Mace Windu a purple lightsaber because Samuel L. Jackson, yeah, Jackson liked it? So, yeah, it, it seems like they had a good relationship. So Why, Why not? not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? He are he went ahead and made Jar Jar the key to everything. So why not? Let's just let him. <laughs> Jar Jar is the key to all this. The Gungans. I still love. I still love the theory that Jar Jar was the original like Sith bad guy, and <laughs> after the poor reaction to him in yeah. Phantom of the Menace, they scrapped uh, it and didn't know what to do with his character. He's the key to all this. <laughs> uh, in the words of George Lucas, that's one of the things I will say. If you haven't watched Clone Wars, dear listener. Um, it really does a lot to make me like Jar Jar a lot as a character. I feel like he comes off so much better in the Clone Wars cartoon than in anything else he's in. But I also think what it, one of the things I'm wondering is if they're trying to position Baby Yoda as like a new franchise character that's going to eventually show up in movies. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they might be like positioning him that way. It's possible. He's going to be alive yeah. for maybe 900 years. Yeah, so and he's not? a puppet, so like you don't have to worry about actors aging out of it, or worry about what he'll look like. Or they don't have to CG revive him or de-age him; <laughs> just make a new puppet. Or Baby Yoda's not going to ask for more money, you know? He's just going to always they just be keep around, adding so. new puppet characters, <laughs> and then at some point, all of its puppets, so they don't have to pay for like the licensing for somebody's face. Yeah, yeah I wasn't yeah. kidding when I said the finale went to Muppets, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the thing that that like ten years from now, everyone's going to look back and be like, John got it right <laughs> he calls it that guy he knows hey, uh, Star Wars. yeah muppets 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 was the end game 
So I guess one last thing is, you know, we're going to, we are definitely going to see more Mandalorian. Where do you think this series is going to go? Speculation time. I will say, I think we're going to get very little Grogu in season three. Because the, the show is called The Mandalorian, not The Mandalorian and the Baby. Um, and I think that it's pretty much in the, I would be surprised if season three didn't almost entirely revolve around, uh, uh, probably Bo-Katan hunting Mandalorian. Getting she wants Mandalorian. Dark Saber. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about Mandalore now. And I, I love, I love how Mando like just stumbled into being the rightful ruler of Mandalore. And he like, now. doesn't want it. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> and he just doesn't want it. it. He's like, I yield. And yeah. that look in Bo-Katan's like, nah, I'm going to have to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're enemies now. I actually think Baby Yoda might be involved more uh, because Giancarlo Esposito is still alive. We mm-hmm. know that they've been siphoning Baby Yoda blood for the midichlorians probably. They'll never met, they'll never say midichlorians in this entire thing. Dave Filoni knows better. Although Clone Wars did mention it like in I think three episodes. Well, uh Moff's assistant did re- reference M the count. M count. Yeah. He said M count, yeah. Oh, okay. He said <laughs> M count and they did collect some of the blood. I know that yep. Gideon did say like we got what we wanted, who cares? Which I thought would have been really interesting development if he just let Baby Yoda go. Actually, in that point, uh, I thought that would have been an interesting plot choice. But, of course, they don't do that because they need him to get the blade. Anyways, I suspect we'll see maybe more Baby Yoda because that plot line still needs to be carried through. Thrawn, we know, is a collector of ancient things, which is Uh most definitely connected to the Mandalore um, plot line. We're going to continue. But he might also be interested in Baby Yoda as an ancient species of which the people have only known like three Yoda, Yaddle, and now Grogu. Um, That's very and true. so I suspect he could be in it more, but I also agree that we're going to see probably the entire show revolve around getting Mandalore back and maybe mm-hmm. just people popping in like they have been throughout the entire series. I like it. Where are you, uh, where are you at, Derek? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I think I agree with that. Um, and as John was saying, that. that... I think they set up the fight over Mandalore pretty, pretty heavily there. So I definitely think that is going to be the story arc that we follow. I think it's going to be interesting. I think Baby Yoda is so popular. If they don't feature yeah. him prominently, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that might actually, right or wrong, be to the detriment of the series. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll have to see if the writers respond to that. Um, I think just my hope is that the series doesn't get too dark i think that's a trend in tv as we go through mm. yeah. series that yeah, season subsequent se- seasons usually get darker and there was one moment that and, and again this is mandalorian this is star wars stormtroopers are falling over dime a dozen so it seems weird but in the in the <laughs> yes. season finale like mando like chokes out a stormtrooper and it, and it strikes me as like yeah that's a little visceral moff yeah. gideon tries to shoot himself yeah <laughs> episode yeah. five has yeah. torture there's a lot of yeah a guy gets his face blasted off and it's like a portrait shot of his face like in the beginning of the last episode i, I completely understand what you're saying Derek. i think i think the reason that we see that trend is they they get the feeling that they have to keep one upping the danger Mm-hmm. and one-upping the threat and and so it, it it gets weary and it gets dark because i think they get into this loop of thinking the stakes have to get higher and higher and higher and i mean we saw that with with marvel each phase the the stakes got more and more and more and <laughs> so i mean what are we gonna violent. do after thanos yeah. i mean we're probably gonna let's see galacticus or whatever but where do you go from there 
and how do yeah. you even portray that on on a movie i have no idea so yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I i yeah um i think that's a good explanation john i think the i don't want them to lose what made mandalorian so special and and it's all the stuff we've talked about mm-hmm. all the stuffs yeah. but again for me it was this lone character trying to take care of a child and again that's gonna evolve and it's yeah. gonna look different in season three and that's fine i understand that but I don't want it to go darker because I feel like because Baby Yoda was so cute, like families are starting to watch yeah. this together. So again, mm-hmm. it, it's Disney and it's Star Wars. They, they probably won't go super duper dark, but even some of the Anakin stuff and like the prequel stuff is like, eh. um, so that's just my only concern. But um, back to the sure. original question. Uh, I think John's probably right. I, I can, I can see them. I can see why, Grogu wouldn't be in it as much, but again, I wonder how the fans will take that. So, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Dan? So I think they might try and experiment to see how much they can get away with a show without baby Yoda. Cause I, I feel like season three might be like a testing of the water season to sort of see where to take the rest of the show. That is of course, unless mm-hmm. secretly Filoni and Favreau have like a 10 year plan that we just don't know about or something. But um, I think I wouldn't surprise me if they went with like almost like a dual narrative thing where they would periodically cut back to baby Yoda training or something Mm. where, you know, you could just focus on a shot of him trying to lift something. You don't even have to have Mark Hamill or anything in the shot and sort of treat him like a reward for the audience. So it's just like, don't worry, he's still there while (laughs) you have this other narrative where, you know, with Mandalore and all this other stuff going on. Um, I'm a little worried in the sense that like what you guys are saying, like they might try and top themselves where but less, less in terms mm-hmm. of violence and more in terms of stakes, because like you were saying, mm-hmm. it's a very, it's, it's the Western. You just see a drifter walks into a town, yeah. he, takes, he punches up whoever the bad guy in town is, and then he leaves. And that's what I love about the Mandalorian where I don't want this big, yeah. big narrative where he's trying to like yeah. recreate a planet or take on Thrawn or something. I like that as background where you get the sense that this is a normal person who's just a bounty hunter who's stuck and there's all these other big destiny like things that he just doesn't care about which having a child to protect really grounds the narrative in that so i'm a little worried that they may lose like what we're talking about lose what kind of the show is really ultimately about so i i wouldn't surprise me if they have the dual narrative thing and then the last like two episodes or something he gets reunited with the kid or the or like mm-hmm. what we're almost talking about where something bad is happening and so he has to go save the kid. And that's on mm-hmm. season four where it's like, hey, don't worry. You're getting yeah. a lot of baby Yoda in season four. So after teasing people for one season, mm-hmm. they guarantee it for a next season to keep you watching. But this is all speculative. But yeah, I think that's pretty likely. Yeah. And, to, and to top it all off, the thing that we all really hope and love is that baby Yoda gets a tiny little Yoda sized lightsaber Aww. and does a lot of flips Aww. and <laughs> yep. fights people. Yeah, he was it. so in those little handcuffs. That was adorable. Yes, I know it's supposed yeah. to be scary. Yeah. It was like, so, I was laughing. His tiny it was hands so are too small for his <laughs> tiny handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> when they, when they, I feel like if I was the stormtrooper, okay, <laughs> and Moff Gideon tells me to put him in handcuffs, I'm going to be thinking, we have baby handcuffs. <laughs> are, are we the bad guys? Why were you prepared for this situation? <laughs> Why exactly? Why do I have handcuffs for a baby? Maybe that would be my, you know, 
or he thinks man i hate we have to hang up babies i wish we did this less <laughs> <laughs> that's if they had taiko with td direct the episode <laughs> oh no the baby hang um oh what was it uh taiko ITD is uh doing something with star he's wars. gonna yeah. do uh so, so is everyone or something <laughs> yeah everybody's doing star wars that'd be dope i like i think him. it's a movie yeah yeah like patty jenkins is doing a star wars thing can I say my favorite Baby Yoda? I'm gonna. I think it was this season. It might have been like the first episode when uh, the Mando. I think it was like in a fight ring or whatever. Anyways, the Mando's about to like kill some people, uh, and he has those like uh, mini rocket things, and he arms oh, yes, them. Yes, yes, yes. And Baby Yoda like yep. quickly hits the button so his cage <laughs> yes, closes. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Was so funny yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I yes. miss the baby carriage so much. It's like yes. whistling birds yeah, or whistling something. Like that. Or something. Yeah. Oh, and, and those were designed to look like an arrowhead because Dave Filoni worked on Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes, he was director on first season. So. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, though, for coming on to the show. Shattercast. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. It was just a real blast. Um, so glad to just not just uh, talk about Mando, but catch up with you guys too. Where Shattercast, where can people get connected to you? Probably our YouTube channel is the best, youtube.com slash Shattered Studios. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Shatter the Darkness. Also our website, shatteredstudios.net. Thanks guys, thanks for having us on. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of The Mandalorian Season 2. And thanks so much, Derek and John, for joining us on this exciting and entertaining episode. Be sure to check out Shattercast wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast in your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts and reviews on iTunes and Podchaser. It means a lot to us. You can also send an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss in the podcast, and you also gain access to The Pre-Show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where we casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. Special shout out to those who supported the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Shirley, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.